Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Between the Two Rows podcast. I'm your host, Forrest Anders, alongside my co-host and brother, Lane Anders. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, welcome back, welcome back. On today's episode, we wanted to get in to a little bit of the topic of when things don't go so great, which seems pretty common. And a treasure chest. Yeah, it happens. But uh, before that, we want to get into a little bit of what we've been get, what we've been doing this week how we usually start off every every episode mm-hmm. so uh what have we been doing this week going uh cow duties yeah a lot of, a lot of cow a lot of cow stuff's been going on this week yeah which uh, is a good i mean it's a good thing because we're we're essentially halfway done a little bit more with crop angle the crop angle yeah so the crops are kind of <laughs> taken care of at this point they just need sunshine and water and heat and uh We've been getting to some cattle stuff. We started uh, cutting some hay first thing this week and uh, going through that process. Uh, we wanted to cut more than what we did, but we were really banking on the rain that we were supposed to get. When was that rain? Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah, it was supposed to be uh, Thursday. Yeah. So we didn't cut all of it and uh, ended up missing the rain, which was not a good thing. But uh, as we speak right now, we're kind of kissing the tail end of this tropical depression. So uh, that's helping us out. But uh, doing the the hay thing, which is what we grew up doing, basically. Mm-hmm. It seems like every summer that's all we did. But uh, yeah, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, it, it's a lot which, of work, but I mean, it's it is rewarding. Yeah, not just not the funnest thing in the world. Yeah, it's not the best. It's, I mean, as soon as you cut that hay, it always seems like the temperature rises about thirty degrees. Yeah, it's it's always like hundred degrees. So. We did that. We cut hay, uh, raked and bailed it, got it stacked. And then um, Friday we did, uh, or Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday, uh, me, Forrest, and my cousin, we uh, sprayed some grain sorghum. Yeah, I sprayed all of our grain sorghum acres, got them uh, pretty well laid by, sprayed mm-hmm. for some weeds and a little bit of insects and things like that. Uh Put some fertilizer on some of the acres too, some of the grain yep. sorghum acres. Yep, forgot about that. We got our first shot of nitrogen out there to help that really get kick started. Uh huh. And we'll go ahead and tell them what you've been doing at night time. All right. So I don't know what day it was. I want to say Thursday night. Uh huh. I can't remember. Uh. Mm-hmm. Just got home or whatever. Saw this video. Pop, right. got, saw this video pop up on my phone. It's like, hey, we recommend you watch this. Here's what happened, everybody. The YouTube rabbit hole caught Forrest, and he was it, in for the ride. This wasn't a rabbit hole. This was a wormhole, like no end. <laughs> so uh, it popped up this video, 15 minutes long or something. I started watching it. It's about this uh, this gentleman. You may already have heard about it. I, you know, I've this never is, heard This of is it. nothing new. But this gentleman by the name of Forrest Finn, who was uh, this real rich guy. Well, still he's still alive. But uh, he got diagnosed with cancer back in like 1988 or something. And he was wondering, like, curious about the legacy he was going to leave behind. You know, if he were to die from cancer, his odds weren't very good of surviving cancer. Yeah. So he has this made this treasure box. It was a box from like the Roman Empire, like this small little box. He basically filled it up with like gold nuggets, gold coins, like sapphires, all the, rubies, all these, diamonds, all these bracelets from like before, like. Like 2,000 years, like just crazy stuff. So he went and hid it out in the Rocky Mountains somewhere, which the Rocky Mountains go from like New Mexico all the way up into yeah, Canada. So this guy's from Santa Fe, and uh, 
what did he say? It was anywhere. But he, he's done interviews over time and, and kind of laid it out. Yeah, okay. So, so the, the original clues. thing was he wrote a 24-line poem in the back of his book. That, like Each line was like a clue to where this was. And it's like ridiculous how like many places this could have been. Literally the whole Rocky Mountains. It could have been anywhere. Tell them what the first line of the poem is. Just so y'all get yeah. a little hint. As yeah, the, the first line was like where the warm waters halt. And then the nec- next one was like follow the canyon down. But he said like, right, there so were multiple interviews. <clears throat> over, this was in 2010 when he hit the box. There were multiple interviews where he would say like, Literally, if you follow, if you're in the right spot, if you're on the right clues, like by the time you get to the last clue, you'll be standing on top of this box. Mm-hmm. So I was like fascinated with it, knowing that when I first watched that video, I was like, I probably shouldn't watch this because I'm going to like, I'm not going to be able to let this go. There's a couple of things that make it so interesting. Number one, he wrote a poem telling where it is. Number two, he's older in his age. So people were speculating it could be far from his house if he hit a box. And then I guess number three is that he's still alive. Yeah. So there's there's these interviews he does, um, you know, news articles or whatever will come talk to him. And a lot of times he'll speak at like uh, book events because his poem is in the back of his book. And uh, it's just interesting that since he's still alive, people can probe him with all these questions and try to get the answer. And he's so articulate about how he answers his questions, not yeah. to give away too much. He is not giving away any new clues no. like he will answer the questions like as vaguely as possible. Yeah. So I remember we were, me and Forrest were watching this one interview and this, um, they had like a certain amount of questions that they could ask. And this one guy said, can I ask one more question? He said, yeah. He said, is there any one word in the poem that is more significant than the others? And he said, yes. And the guy said, or I'm sorry, he said, is there any one word that's, that's more important than the others? And he said, yes. And he said, is it in the poem? He said, Oh, yes, two questions. I can answer your second yeah, question. Yeah, he's a very clever man, extremely clever. And the fact that this thing has been there for 10 years, and he said, I know, I have a way of knowing that it's still there and it hasn't been found yet, but I can't give away like the how I know it's still there. And, and he's just... And what? Andy said, um, you know, if no one finds it, it'll still be there for over 10,000 years. Yeah, yeah, just like mind-boggling. And uh, people were asking him, like, how long do you think it'll be there? You know, stuff like, even after you pass away, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Well, so yeah. I was hung up on this for, like, two days. Well, like, this is what we were doing. The whole, people have died. Four people have <laughs> Four. died trying to find this. Four. People have moved out there just to, like, so mm-hmm. moved out there, got a job out there. So in their free time, they could hunt for this treasure, which it's valued, depending on who you ask, Anywhere from one million to five million dollars. This box is. It weighs forty-two pounds, and it's a ten-inch by ten-inch by five to six-inch box. So, what would you do if you found it? Like a- after you found it, and you talked to him, you spent your time with. It, what would you do with it? I would have to sell like some of the stuff, like to get money to like do other stuff that I wanted to do. But then obviously, you'd have to keep some of it. So just uh, you would keep like the most valuable stuff, or like the stuff you thought was coolest. Yeah, I don't know. But the crazy thing is that I started watching this stuff on Thursday and was like focused on it for like two days and, and, and it's been there for 10 years and got me hooked on it as well. I was going home watching YouTube and we you. get to work this morning and just having a normal day and dad like all of a sudden like his eyes get big. He goes, oh, I forgot to tell you all that they found that treasure. And I was like, do what treasure? Do what? <laughs> we he, had told dad about it on Saturday. And yeah. He, 
Cause I, I was literally like figuring out like, hey, instead of going to the beach this summer, let's go out to the mountains and hike in the mountains. We're okay, gri- grizzly bears and wolves like mm-hmm. in the heart of it. Dad's like, oh yeah, somebody found it. It was mind boggling. Like, and just uh, so happens like three days when I started looking into it, somebody finds it. The guy that found it supposedly sent forth Finn an email uh, with a picture of him holding the box or whatever. And uh, the guy in the email said he wanted to remain anonymous. And uh, I guess that we'll never know where he found it at. But. Yeah, and the, uh, they interviewed Forrest Finn about it. was like, did somebody find it? He's like, yeah. And they're like, where was it? And he's like, under the stars in the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> that was really it. And to give people perspective, the Rocky Mountain, or he said in an interview that the uh, the box was somewhere between eight and a half miles north of Santa, Pe- Santa Fe and somewhere south of the Canadian border. Yeah, that's all you got. So we're talking four states it could have been in. And uh, I think he was a little sad that he said the chase had ended, but he was happy for the person who found it. Yeah, so after I went through that big phase, I guess it was Friday, Blaine and I were leaving work. Got off work a little early, and we're going to go fishing. And uh, everybody's like, all right, we'll see you all tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. So I'm about – I'm halfway home, let's say. I'm, you know, I'm excited, Got finally got out of work. And uh, Dad calls me – or which is our boss. And uh, he's like, hey, y'all turn around. We got cows out. I was like, you've got to be kidding I'm me. talking about we had some big plans. Yep. So Lane is behind me. We both left at the same time. And I turn around and I call him. I said, hey, we got to go back. We got cows out. He's like, you're full of crap. I was like, nope. Because, like, that that's just something. It. We literally, I, I'm not we literally talked kid- about this last week I'm on not the even kidding about. When it's the worst times that it get that you get a phone call. Yeah. The worst times. Yeah. So, uh, and he told us what farm it was, and uh, which made it worse. Yeah. Just where it was, because... The we've, topography we've, of the ground. Yeah, is, we've had issues with this wind farm, and uh, we'll explain it a little bit more. Uh, there's probably the thickest... Uh, woods in North Alabama are on this farm, what mm-hmm. it seems like to me. And what we have, what we call, there's a creek that runs to the farm and we have what we can, what we call a water gap. So if you have a fence that goes, you know, it's covering ground, you know, it's like a barbed wire fence, electric fence, whatever, well, it gets to a creek. You can't just build a fence like through the creek mm-hmm. because of the water flowing. It'll just rip the fence out. Yeah, and a lot of times sticks and whatever will fall into the creek and then plug up your fence, and then exactly. you got a dam and water's flowing everywhere. Yeah, you can't you can't have a mess there. So you have to have a fence that's like flexible enough that when water's going through it, it's not impeding water or sticks or anything like that. But yet, when the creek goes like back down, there it has to like be it has able to, to keep cows out. It's like a transformer. I mean, it has to mold back into a fence. And depending on where you go, I know everybody across the U.S. and the world, different farmers do things different ways. You see different ideas for water gaps and stuff. And it's just a mess, and it wasn't fun. Like, I don't know, double-digit ticks, I think we found uh-huh. just in there. Just just the gnarliest place, and it was yeah, not fun. And, of course, it was hot and humid. And yeah. We, and then, the, I mean, we were trying to – at first, you get there, and you got to assess the situation. And Dad and Uncle Mike have already been there for 10 or 15 minutes. They've already walked half a mile. We didn't know where they were. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Them, hear them. These cows have the nicest pasture in the world, and they literally walk like a mile through the woods, get out of our pasture, walk another mile through somebody else's woods, mm-hmm. and then are just walking to walk. A little deviant, fellas. Yeah, but uh, and we actually had to go back this morning and do some more work there. Yeah, so and, first uh, of all, when you get there, you got to go find them. 
Yeah. When you find them, you got to try to track them down and get on one side of them and push them back the way they came. Half the time, they don't want to go back the way they came. They just want to wander around. They act very it's, different when they're outside the fence. Yeah, they know well. they're outside. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, we went back today. And if you want to see some video of it, I've got it on my Instagram story. Uh, our dog, Wilson, went with us. And he was just having a blast playing in the creek while we were working. <laughs> it's actually the same farm we found him at as a pup. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny that. But We uh, were running around. He was picking up bones. Yeah. So to continue on with this episode of when things don't go as planned. Uh, I'm a real big believer in Murphy's Law, which uh, says that anything that can happen will happen. And uh, I want to add some on there. It will happen. Or what can happen will happen. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I just messed that up. When it can uh, happen, it will happen. And it will happen. Yeah, definitely. Like, don't just say it might. Like, it will happen. But uh, we're going to get into some stories about some stuff that we've torn up. Uh, things that aren't necessarily our fault but just happen you know maintenance issues things happen and can literally shut down the whole operation just mm-hmm. the tiniest little thing and uh emotions run high sometimes yeah i think working with your family it's always good you can be yourself you don't have to put on this persona to act all cool and try to fit in and stuff i mean you already know who you're working with when you get there every day but on the uh, flip side of that when something goes wrong it's it's so much more personal. Yeah. 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 It's they know everything about you too, so it's not like you can Yeah. You can say, like, Hey, I'm sick, or well, they'll just drive to your house to see if you're sick. I mean that's a tangent, but yeah, yeah. That kind of deal. It's it's definitely different, but uh there are some advantages to it and then some disadvantages to it as well. But uh like let's get into some things that we have torn up or or some okay, batteries and tires. What do you think? I don't think that's really any one person's um fault which i guess uh sometimes can be someone's fault like if you leave headlights on or yeah. or what it leaves the key on batteries can go bad and uh i guess tires if you don't check the tires and make sure they're aired up before you take off and load up a trailer then that could be your fault but it, it definitely seems like tires and batteries tires are kryptonite and, we go through tires and batteries like no one's business which you know that also speaks to you got that many engines trying to be able to be running you gotta yeah, have tires and batteries it's not like i have one tractor that i'm in all year round all i have to do is keep that one tractor maintained right. and you've got several pieces of equipment and sometimes they only get used a couple of days a year and when some stuff's sitting outside tires dry rotten you're yeah. trying to switch tires over from a piece of equipment that's old tires and batteries are not our friends here on the farm that's we got for them sure. like crazy uh we're gonna speak on another thing which kind of goes into uh when stuff goes bad well yeah we don't really have glass break often, but when it does, it's always like a shocker. Um, yeah. You know, we talked to you last episode about the uh, bullet rolling down into... I don't, I don't think that was last episode. I think it was one of the... Maybe episode one or episode two. All right. Well, we talked to you about when bullet ran into the uh, office. I got another story about... We were... Uh, one summer, probably three or four years ago, we were over at a farm in Hartsville that um, uncle on the other side of the family now owns... And uh, there's a duck hole that my grandfather had had uh, gotten somebody to build probably in a, what year was it, 95 or so? Maybe. Uh, somewhere in there. Somewhere around there. And um, he passed away in 2011. And um, you know, nothing really had been done to it in a long time. He was a really big duck hunter, and he enjoyed doing that, so he kept up with it or whatever. And so I would say probably 2016-ish, 
we um, we loaded up a couple of bulldozers and a track hoe, went over there and tried to clear all the saplings out of the duck hole. and Tried to re- just renovate the whole thing. Cut a ditch through the middle, put a pipe in to control water levels and all sorts of stuff. So I'm running a uh, Caterpillar D5H uh, bulldozer, and I'm trying to push trees off the bank and try to make the duck pond a little bit wider. And uh, you got to be really careful. When we have one bulldozer that has a glass in it, and I was in it, of course. Yeah. Running up into the bank, I'm pushing trees over. There's trees everywhere, left and right. You got limbs on them sticking 30 feet out. Well, uh, I didn't get my foot on the de- decelerator quick enough, and let's just say one of those uh, one of those limbs poked a hole in my my glass. Yeah, that, there's always some. We do run some older dozers and stuff, and the one that I usually run does not have glass in it, but it's got a, like a really nice cage around it. Mm-hmm. And like every once in a while, when you're clearing and stuff, like even a stick like the size of your finger will like kind of come back towards you to where you have to move (laughs) you're leaning way back in the seat trying to get hit i'm really good at like taking it out of gear really quick getting it stopped but you realize like a stick the size of your finger like if it were to line up like square on your chest and you can't get it stopped real quick i mean it could probably just go straight through yeah another another thing is with dozers you don't really there's not you don't really use brakes on a dozer like there's not just i mean there is a foot pedal for a brake on most yeah. of our dozers, but it's not, you don't use it all the time. You're just going forward. You're pushing what you're pushing. Yeah, you you're, hit the ne- you're never going extremely fast. You just hit the decelerator, the accelerator, and then you just flip it back in reverse and take it off the other way. The, so the decelerator is basically like a backwards gas pedal. So like you put it in gear and then you throttle it up where it's running real high. Yeah. Well, you push this pedal, you push the pedal and it like throttles down throttles down so it's literally just backwards and you just push the pedal to like go from forward to reverse reverse to forward or to change gears but when a stick's coming at you full speed and it's just hard to react sometimes i mean there is that that emergency brake pedal so to say but yeah you don't really use it that often so when you get in that situation and you're having to look down and find a pedal to stop the dozer there's some time that goes by yeah Uh, and we do all of our like earth moving equipment, we've got several dozers in our track hoe or excavator, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're all older, which doesn't, in our minds, the way we look at it, we can work on everything on them ourselves. You know, we don't necessarily have to take them to a technician or anything like that. We can do it ourselves. But then again, unless you got big problems, yeah. But often, t- like, there's a lot of smaller issues, and they we do have to have more maintenance done to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, on that same job that Lane's talking about, working on that duck pond, uh, and we were there for dug- a while. Yeah, it was like <clears throat> the middle of the summer, like 100 degree heat. We were there for like a week or two every day, and uh, Lane had a hydraulic hose on that same dozer he's talking about. If any of y'all are engineers out there, y'all understand how hydraulic systems work. Well, he had a hose that had compromised. He had a leak on it. (laughs) And the way a bulldozer is... got in there and poked a hole in it. Yeah, and the way a bulldozer is built is a lot like a tank. Like, you look at the outside of it, and you don't see any of... You see, like, the shields and everything, but you don't see any of the moving parts or anything. Mm -hmm. Well, this hose that he he had a leak on was like in the dead center of it it's not fun to get to it's a pain to get to i mean it's kind of like uh, something dad was saying earlier in the week talking about another piece of equipment it's like they put that hydraulic hose in the dead center of the piece of equipment and then built the whole bulldozer around the hydraulic yeah hose. that's literally what it seemed like i know that's not the case but I mean, that's what it seemed like. i'm not even kidding when i say it probably took us 
I don't even I don't even want to know want to try to guesstimate how long it took us to get that hose off, but just to get to the hose to look at it, it probably took us over an hour. Yeah. So like it was on Lane's dozer where I kept running for a while and uh, just let him. I knew he knew what he was doing, so I wasn't too worried about it. But uh, so there for a while, went and checked on him, and uh, he had found the hose. Well, he's trying to get a wrench down there to it, and you've got. I mean, a hydraulic. I mean, a dozer is just all hydraulics, anyways. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. And uh, he had finally gotten down there to it, and he was working, trying to break that thing loose using a wrench and then, like, another wrench for a cheater. Well, yep. he, he dropped his wrench, <laughs> which is basically, like, if you had your car and you just dropped, like, one – you popped the hood and, like, dropped one screw and just, like, you heard it rattle all the way to the bottom. I literally heard this wrench go, like, ding, ding, boom, boom, ding, ding, boom. Yeah, but it, it's a little bit different than a car, though, because – if you drop a screw or something in a, in a car under the hood, it has a way to get to the ground where you can pick it up pretty well, easy. Yeah, true. It, it can fall all the way to the ground. Where the bulldozer, there's that, that, there's like a, it's almost like a skid plate, like a, a half inch thick piece of steel re- that lines. referred to as the belly pan, but it's literally like shield. The whole bottom is shielded. Right, like nothing it's solid. Can, yeah, there's no way for anything to come Under down. the motor from the front to the back where you sit is shielded by like a half inch thick piece it's, of steel. Yeah, it's very heavy. And um, there's really only like one or two holes in the bottom of that belly pan to drain whatever. Yeah. So if you drop it, even if it hits the very bottom, you're not going to be able to get to it unless you go in the way you dropped it. Yeah. Or take all that shielding off the It'll, bottom. Yeah. Which and is I, Lane. Lane was like so mad, like tempers were flaring i mean he was pissed and it was so hot and the wrench fell and it already busted glass out busted glass probably busted knuckles working on it well the other wrench he had in his hand he grabbed it i'm not kidding i watched my brother throw like a 15 16 wrench like i'm gonna say a good 40 yards like i don't want to over exaggerate but i'm talking like this wrench went just flying and i was like well all right i'm gonna leave you alone good luck yeah i don't know working on stuff's always it's you're already mad because something broke and then something adds on top of that and then you just find the quickest thing you can to relieve your your stress oh yeah it gets awful i mean and it was hot hot always make i'm sure i probably didn't eat lunch that day or something i don't know yeah oh it's always something 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 all right we got a couple more you want to talk about my my incident a couple years ago which one all right, so uh, there's yeah, a, which one? Because there might have been multiple. Yeah, there, there. I mean, there's numerous times that stuff's happened with us, but uh, I believe it was a couple of years ago, one Friday afternoon. It was like the fall, and uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she had a younger brother playing football at high school football, and I was wanting to go to his game, watch him, see her, and go to his game. And uh, Dad and them were like, "Hey, you do this real quick, and you can go." Yeah. So I got that done, and it was like. I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. They're like, all right, well, can you go do this real quick for you? <laughs> kind of one of those things. The classic. So I was I was really trying to hurry up and leave. And they're like, hey, go get this tractor and bush hog and uh, bring it back here and you're free to go. And I was like, all right, now, this is what I'm doing. So I go to another farm, get this tractor and bush hog, which a bush hog is just like a oversized lawnmower, you know, that can cut mm-hmm. really big, tall grass. I'm sure you've seen them. But they fold up, like the sides of it fold up so it can go down the road and everywhere. And the particular tractor that I was driving had what we what we refer to as duels on the back of it. It had two tires on each side instead of just one on each side. So the tires are kind of wide. Well, I come 
hauling tail in this tractor way faster than I probably should have been. And uh, I, we have like a little lot around back where we can turn stuff around. So I come like going pretty Not fast. Very, I mean, we're talking about like a, a cul-de-sac size yeah, it's, it's not, area. it's like just big enough to like turn equipment around. Well, my dad and my uncle were back there. They're like, hey, just park the tractor around back. You're free to go. Well, I come buzzing around there and I turned kind of quick mm-hmm. way. I basically jackknifed it, what I did. Another thing with this tractor and bush hog, the, um, the hitch on that tractor, it almost seems like it was pushed out too far or something. So if you turn too sharp, even with the bush hog folded out and you're bush hogging, yeah, that the side of the bush hall will get into that outside tire a yeah. little, so you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You can't turn this one very sharp. Can't max with it out. that bush hog. Well, I was in a hurry, just whatever, and I turned too sharp. Well, that bush hog hit that tractor tire, and while the tire was moving, the bush hog literally rode up on the side of that tire, and then flipped over on its side. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm talking like 20 yards from both of them, which they both. If I wouldn't have done that, they both probably would have said something about me driving too fast. Well, I just I had a catastrophe right there in front of them. And I was like, well, crap. Well, they come running over there, and I'm talking like they're letting me have it. And I was just like, well, you know, I did it. I didn't say anything. I just took it. <laughs> and they just kept ripping into me about, you know, blah, blah, blah. You did this. You did that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was already mad because I wasn't getting to go to the game. So I literally just walked all the way back up to there to my truck, and they were just still letting me have it. With the bush hog still folded on its side of it? Yeah. Me. So I literally just walked up there, went to our office, like put all my keys, all our co- company cards, literally put everything <laughs> on the desk, and just got in my truck and left. Said went, see ya. Went to the football game and got there, and she was like, you know, what's wrong? And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I just quit my job. She's like, <laughs> do what? I was like, yeah, I quit. She's like, what do you mean you quit? And I was like, well, I turned everything in. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I just quit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I wasn't there. I was at college. So yeah. And uh, it's one of the times I'm glad I wasn't it was, here. It, was, um, it may have been a day that I didn't come back, but then it was like I just showed back up the next day. Everything yeah. was all it didn't It didn't mess anything up, but it was just the fact that yeah, I but did it something. definitely. Yeah. And good thing that that bush hog, the, um, the hitch that hooks up to the rear of the tractor, thank goodness it swiveled because it's not. Yeah. Don't know what would happen. Yeah, it literally didn't hurt anything, but I got a pretty good butt chewing for it, mm-hmm. and uh, I probably shouldn't have done it. Rightly so. I probably would have chewed you, too. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I didn't deserve it, but yeah. I was already... Our, tensions were already high, and then you make a mistake, and it just... Yeah, and then five years later, it's all funny, because yeah, exactly. nobody got hurt. And then uh, I've had some tractors stuck in some places I shouldn't have been. They were like, hey, there's a wet spot over there. Don't You probably need to stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, hard-headed, ain't you? I literally get over there, and I, I'm not necessarily in it, but I'm close to it. And then all of a sudden, she she sits down. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a bad deal when the biggest tractor we have gets stuck. Yeah, because what are you going to use to pull it out? Yeah, exactly. you got to go to the drawing board. It's like, a, oh, I don't know what we're going to use to pull this out. Or, you know, Dad having the combine stuck last year. Mm-hmm. We had all these huge cables and stuff that literally people on the Tennessee River used for, like, barges and stuff. Yeah. We're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds being pulled by this cable. Yeah. But it's a little bit different when it's in the water. Yeah, and uh, so we get, like, two tractors our two biggest tractors hooked to the one combine and it's literally we're just breaking cables like they're toothpicks and uh but it, it all worked out we finally got them out and then mm-hmm. it, it, that's that's the way with all these they eventually yeah everything always realigns yeah 
But, I mean, if you have a good attitude, you know stuff's going to happen. You know stuff's going to go wrong. You just hope and pray and try to take caution. No one gets hurt and uh, yeah, tempers flare or whatever. And then you come back the next day and everything's hunky-dory. You work past it. Yeah, the, I want to I want to trademark this, maybe put it on a T-shirt or something. But if you want to learn how to fix something, you first got to learn how to break it. Yeah. I mean, that that's literally you learn how to fix stuff from breaking it. Or even better, a cheaper option, you just watch other people do it and you don't have to do it. Yeah, but I mean, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've learned all kinds of stuff about how stuff works just because you break it and then you t- have to tear it apart and figure out how it works yeah. and put it back together. Yeah, I think that works good with small engines and stuff at a small level. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Uh, how many more things we got here on the list? I'll be quite honest with you. I typed up some notes in my phone. I guess there's a save button or something on the notes. And, uh, yeah, I didn't hit save. Uh. So you, you remember, just on the fly. remember when we were in uh, that truck one time? I, I can't remember how old I was. You were younger than me, obviously. But uh, Dad was putting out – this was like middle of winter one year. Dad was setting out some hay, and we were driving the truck that had the that was hauling the trailer with the bales on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was real wet. Our winters are extremely wet down here. They seem to be here recently. And he was like, hey, before y'all – you had one pasture on one side, and you had a – a creek running through it with a ditch with some rock, some dirt on top of it to try to get to the other pasture. He said, make sure you're going kind of fast when you hit that culvert. He said, I don't want you to get stuck on top of it. He said, hit it kind of fast. That way you can make it to the other side. Yeah, there is there is essentially the same property, but there is a, a deep ditch that divides two different sections of it. And, you know, of course, we've been feeding all winter. It's muddy on both sides of the culvert. And, yeah. uh on top of the culvert, it was a little bit muddy. There, there used to be some rock there. I don't, I don't know uh, yeah, what happened to, to that. Well, the cows also walk across yeah, it too. Usually finds a way to disappear. And so, um, so me and you were headed there. Just me and you. They were behind us or something. I mean, yeah. like ten minutes behind us. So we had that to go do. I think they were moving the tractor there to unload it. And yeah. um, I'll let you go ahead since you were driver. Yeah. So Dad gave me a call. He was like, "Hey, make sure you're going kind of fast." Well. His version of kind of fast and my version of kind of fast may have been a little bit different. Yeah, but, it was uh, it was like an in-between of make your own decision if you think you can do it. And then he's like, you know what, I think you'll be all right kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I remember very strict orders of hit Oh, of hit course you do. You're trying to get the blame off of you. No, there was no blame to be had on me. Oh. He said hit it kind of fast. Well, I, I hit it kind of fast. Yeah. And we hit it, and the truck starts going sideways Mm -hmm. with the trailer. So the rear end of the truck, imagine you're driving from a dry piece of ground to another dry piece of ground, and there's wet in between. Mm -hmm. The rear of the truck couldn't get traction, and the tires were spinning so fast, we started sliding to the left. And with that trailer with all the hay on there, it literally just pulled us off. It was even worse. It was a wagon. So the front axles. Yeah, a wagon can steer itself. So literally, the wagon kind of said, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. I'd rather be down here in this ditch. Yeah, didn't help at all. And uh, the truck wasn't really on its side, but, boy, it for sure a little, felt like it. For a little backstory, this ditch is every bit of six to eight feet I, below. I think it's a it's like a four-foot culvert with, like, two foot of dirt and under it and two feet of dirt on top of it. So, I mean, you do it the math. A, it was a deep dive. Well, so we get going, and it literally just pulls us off the side to where the truck is literally, like, the right two tires are up on top, and the bottom two tires are down in the bottom. And Lane's in the passenger seat, and I'm in the driver's seat. And I open my door, and I literally fall out into the water. Like I mean, just like 
like gravity was not helping me out anymore. They come pulling up, and Dad starts letting into us like, like why would you do that? He thought I guess I just missed it. I yeah, said, no. he probably thought you just floored it and said, "Hey, this over here looks pretty cool. Let me go nose dive." Yeah. In it. I don't know. And Lane, for a while, you were telling people like you threw up, like it made you like motion. Sickness. How do you How do you know that I didn't? I don't remember that at all. But you were you Dad just was don't like. Know. <laughs> Nobody knows. I mean, Lane was acting like the airbags went off, like he needed a medevac. No, I was want, I was spinning it more that uh, I was like getting sick to my stomach because I knew we just messed up really bad. Uh, I tra- thought we were traumatic, in trouble. Traumatic situation. Yeah, it was like I was scared. Yeah, but it ended up not being a big ordeal, but it kind of... Just took it up to the local body shop, get her fixed up. Yeah, pay the deductible. What was it, like a, it was like a new tailgate or bumper or something. Yeah, the drive shaft was bent, you know. Yeah, I ended up getting the truck out unloading the wagon of hay and on our way we went were you here uh this fall when dad had the draper head issues no you definitely heard about him you know it's an odd little dialogue there some days you get calls i talked to dad every day when i was at college and um you know some days he would call good mood and like you could tell everything was just fine told me about everything he did that day and some days it was short and sweet and like yep well, I was just calling to say, hey, I hadn't talked to you today. I was like, all right, what'd y'all do today? Oh, it wasn't the greatest day. And you just learn over time sometimes not to ask questions. So yeah. that seems like one of those days I didn't ask questions. And then, like, you would you would hear about why that day wasn't so good about a week later. Yeah, yeah. So there was one day. Uh, it wasn't Dad's fault, but uh, Dad was combining doing some custom work and uh, – we were harvesting some soybeans, and the, you have the combine, then you have the head that's on the grain platform, what's actually doing the mm-hmm. cutting. And uh, he, I don't remember exactly what happened. I don't know. I don't, he could tell you. But uh, thing got folded up. Yeah, good. I think from what I was, what, what he explained to me is, you know, when you're harvesting beans, you're trying to run the header on the ground to yeah. get as much of the plant through the combine as possible and let the combine sort it out whether to keep the beans in and shuck everything else out mm-hmm. and it almost seemed like it was a rock or a terrace or something a change yeah. in topography and and this thing is made to flex right across the ground and uh it seems like one side just caught either the terrace or the rock or whatever and it bent it backwards toward the combine instead of being straight across yeah that's that's the gist I got. Yeah, out of. I remember being up there, like I was running the grain cart for Dad, and I was sitting up there in the seat after this had happened, and Dad and them were down there, like looking at it, like hitting it with a hammer, and just seeing if they could just bend it right back. And I remember looking at it, being like, "Ah, buddy, I don't think that's gonna bend back." Yeah, buddy, I don't. <laughs> and uh, ended up insurance and everything had to total the head out, and then Dad uh, was gonna get a new one, and it was up like in. Uh, was it Winnipeg? Yeah. Or Montreal? Uh, I can't remember. Wherever McDonald's uh, dealership is. I had is. my own problems to deal with. And our local dealer had already purchased this brand new head, but it was like supposed to be delivered. So it literally set us back like a week on harvesting winning on this head. So what y'all do for a week? Think about how everything is I don't know. There up. was stuff we were doing like productive, but we weren't yeah. in the field like we really wanted to be. Yeah. and there, which, which brings up another topic. Do you remember like like... I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but I remember one time we were at one of your baseball games down at like Flint Creek Park or whatever that is there in Flint. And dad like came walking up like I was there. Mom was there. You were there. And dad came walking up. It was like middle of June. And he was just like 
black like he had been like rolling around in mm-hmm. like ash and i was like uh, are you okay like it looked like he, he like wrecked, it looked like he wrecked this car in the parking lot <laughs> it caught on fire and he just walked the rest of the way there i was like are you all right and he's like i had a wheat field to catch on fire today <laughs> i was like i was like 11 or 12 i was like all right Which like, is, what does that mean and if you've ever been in been in one of those situations uh had a plenty full, hmm. plenty full times. That literally makes like around. the hair stand up on my back. The fire situation, which is probably one of the worst situations you can have. Yeah, let's not get into that. We're let's save some nuggets. Yeah, we, can't we let could, you we in on break, everything. I'm telling you, we have so many stories. Can't let you in on everything. So many stories, but yeah. So when the fecal matter hits the rotary oscillator, which yeah, it happens. Yeah, interpret that how you want. No. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna call it quits for today. Appreciate y'all listening. Yeah, thanks for you listening, everybody. Everybody internationally now. Oh, uh, yeah. How uh, many countries be in there? Let Chief? me let me pull it up real quick. I looked at it this morning. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it kind of blew my mind to know that people around the world, so the yeah. majority of them being in the U.S., have some fans or not. I wouldn't say fans. Some listeners in Chile. Maybe just some curious people. Chile, Israel, Thailand, South Africa, and Canada. Wow. Yeah, so thanks for everybody listening. In those countries, me either. Maybe one in Canada. I've never been to any of those countries, but so yeah, we appreciate everybody listening. Yeah, we're we're slowly growing, slowly growing. Yeah, give uh, us uh, if you want to check us out on Instagram at Between the Two Rows Podcast. We usually upload about um, I don't know a couple hours before the podcast gets released or a day before whatever. Try to let you in on what's happening. Yeah, we're a little behind today. We usually drop Monday mornings. Yeah, sorry about that. Anywho, but yeah, thanks for listening. We'll keep turning them out for y'all. Yeah. Alrighty. Peace.